Good morning. Welcome to Rock Bible Church. All right, so we're going to call it uh, 1023, shortest service ever. Let's try this again. Ready? Visual. Good morning, Rock Bible Church. There we go. Now we're here. All right, so yes, uh, the birthday is coming. 27 years old. Times two. Yeah, literally times two, so... Uh, it's good to have you here. We are a Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community. We are compelling ourselves and others to Christ in casual ways, yes, that welcome all to worship. Okay, all, that's a very important word for us. Um, and we're doing it by being a community that serves the greater community. And some of those announcements you just saw are kind of about that. How do we serve our children? How do we do cancer treats and things like that and so uh if you're interested in that then we're the place for you and if you want to figure out how to volunteer in one of those areas i would like to buy you lunch today <laughs> in the fellowship hall um stacy was right we're not checking any credentials today so if you're thinking about volunteering well technically you just spent time thinking about church and work that's we're gonna we're gonna count that and then we'll we'll see if you live up integrity wise to actually then volunteer later that'll be a guilt thing that you have to deal with with the lord but we're gonna stay out of it okay so uh very excited uh, to be here this morning tomorrow night will be our men's group uh kind of uh, school year finale, if you will, uh, before the summer break, we're, we're ending our series on the uh, Genesis man that we've been looking at for uh, 47 lessons. Tomorrow night will be lesson 47 on that one. In summer, we're going to do something different on Monday. So uh, if you want to catch the last one and see the culmination tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, right in here, uh, that's how I'm going to ce celebrate my birthday. So. <laughs> Yeah, summer, we're gonna, we want to go back to Doug's uh, yard in the summer on Monday, so we might be doing that as well. Um, last thing before we get started and, and jump in, there's, um, we have a special guest this morning. Last week was, remember what last Sunday was? Mother's Day. Yeah, you've forgotten it already. Hey, did we survive? <laughs> did you survive through Mother's Day? You did? Okay, I told some stories last week about mom. Do you remember? Like, if you're, if you're getting the large Subway sandwich, then you have to stay at the table until you finish eating it, the whole life lesson. And here she is. <laughs> Always her excellence. And uh, Mark, her husband, so it's uh, good to have them around. Um, if you like anything that you see of me, thank her. If you have complaints about me, put them in writing and, and give them to her. And then uh, she'll work on me and she will fix it. <laughs> she is a licensed MFT, so be careful. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're continuing on our series this morning uh, in the book of 1 Samuel. Um, we have a bumper that we do from time to time to promo. We skipped it today because after service, we're going to do some baptisms. So we're trying to save a little bit of time best we can. Uh, we have three people being baptized. So after the last song, that's why the, the curtain is torn. <laughs> and we're going to have uh, back there. So stick around just at the end of the song. I know some of you, you bolt halfway through the song. I see you. Okay. Stick around because uh, we've got um, uh, Denise, Sally, and Doug, right? So we're going to be doing that in a little bit. <laughs> let's let's pray um, and then we'll jump into first Samuel 13 Lord thanks for this morning thanks for all the different things that you're involved in that we're aware of and then Lord the ones that are beyond our understanding or pre us knowing I think of the passage this morning that we're going to be looking at uh, being confused and the mystery and then acting out and realizing we sometimes get ahead of ourselves and try to get ahead of you. And 
We are grateful this morning. We praise you for the reality that we can never get ahead of you. And your timing is perfect, impeccable. Pray that we'd see that and much more, mostly that we would see you through this passage this morning in honor and glory of your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Amen. First Samuel chapter 13, uh, verse 1. Here we go. Samuel uh, has, has helped Israel pick a new king, which God and Samuel both said, no, nah, you don't want to do that. Uh, God said that God was supposed to be king. And Israel said, no, we want to we be like everyone else. We want to do standard practice like all the other businesses. And... Um, God and Samuel says, okay, careful what you ask for. You're going to get it. And when you get it, here's what's going to happen. He's going to take your strong men and turn them into an army. You're going to go to war. He's going to tax you. You're going to work for him. He's going to take some of your women, make them slaves, and then she's going to marry a bunch of other. And um, you're going to have a bunch of rules. You thought you had it bad? Wait till you get this so-called king you wanted, right? Samuel and Saul have done the whole courting thing and they figured out that Saul is supposed to be the next king and that's what's happened and he's, he's put in place and we're, kinda, we're gonna get Saul's first official act in office, right? Anybody started a, a job ever? And like on the first day, what's the first thing you do, right? It's not find the coffee machine, by the way, <laughs> right? So we're just gonna see what he does. Now, God said don't do it. Samuel warned against it. Any guesses on how Saul's going to do in his first act? You church people, Christians, are so negative and judgmental. Um, but you're right. Here it goes. Uh, verse 1. Saul lived one year and then became king. Kind of like a probationary period, right? And when he had reigned for two years over Israel, Saul chose 3,000 men of Israel. Why did he choose men? Very first thing he does, puts together an army. Saul chose 3,000 men. 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash and the hill country of Bethel. And the 1,000 were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. Who's Jonathan? His son. Okay, so when we get Saul, many times we get Jonathan as well. He's heir to the throne, by the way, at this point. We'll see if that works out. It won't. Uh, but he, uh, he's got 2,000. His son gets 1,000 uh, of these soldiers. The rest of the people he sent home, every man to his tent. Jonathan defeated the garrison of Philistines. That was at Giba. Uh, Giba, Giba. Giba. Um, this is interesting because several chapters ago, when Samuel was calling Saul and telling him, you need to go do some things, um, to show that I am representing God and telling you what to do and to show that you're obedient in following what God tells you to do. One of the things that he says to Saul is when you're traveling across and you go through Gibeah, there's going to be a garrison of Philistines. What's a garrison of Philistines? It's a group of troops, Right? that sound like an army? And what did Saul just put together? Can we do math here? What's about to happen? <laughs> right? He, he defeats him, right? He defeats and eliminates the enemy. One of the first acts. Okay? Philistines heard of it. How are they feeling? Upset. Angry. Them's fighting words, right? Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land saying, let the Hebrews hear doing a publicity campaign i'm in charge now and we've won our first battle bow down and all israel heard it and said that saul had defeated the garrison of the philistines and also israel had become a stench to the philistines that means war's coming and the people were called out to join saul at gilgal this was just uh, the battle before the war if you will philistines mustered to fight verse 5, with Israel, 30,000 chariots. 
Wait, how many do we have again? Three. Does he have ten times as many chariots as we have troops? Yikes. 6,000 horsemen. He's got two times as many horsemen as we have troops. Let's compare the troops now to troops. Like apples to apples, right? And troops like the sand on the seashore in multitude. Um, what are the odds here? Any, anybody take statistics in high school or college? Yeah, and some of you are like, I wanted to try and forget that, Scott, right? What are the odds? Now, you all hear that phrase, what are the odds, right? There are no odds. This is a statistically significant loss. Uh, that's a phrase from stat class, I know. I just wanted to bond with some of you who took that class. Um, they came up and encamped in Michmash to the east of Beth Aven. When the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble, that's an understatement, for the people were hard-pressed. The people hid themselves in caves. They went and hid. Now, there's a, there's a subtle irony that's not supposed to be funny, but however many thousands of years later, it's a little funny to us, right? Where, when they went to go promote Saul to king, what was he doing? He was hiding. You ever heard the idea that a group reflects its leader? They went to promote him as king, and he's hiding in the baggage. Now it's time for war, a real war, not a cute little garrison down in Geba. This is one nation against another, and they all run to hide? Yikes. Got a problem. Um, do we hide as Christians? Gee, Scott, I don't know if I want to answer that question. <laughs> Political climate today and blah, blah, blah. We've got to take lessons from this, folks. When the men of Israel saw they were in trouble, they hid themselves in the caves and in holes and in rocks and in tombs and in cisterns. Was it only those five places? Are we, are we meant to understand that there's a never-ending, encompassing list of anything that they could find? They're all running for the hills. Some Hebrews crossed the fords of the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. They left the country. Saul was still at Gilgal, and all the people followed him, trembling. Now, see, there's a gap here. That was like the setting the preamble, the set up. Now, verse 8, it starts what most Bibles delineate as a new section. This is a kind of a new story. He waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel. Up to this point, Saul has pretty much been following God's lead, listening to Samuel, and doing what he was told. Right? Anybody know little boys? like that mom says dad says they do it they kind of follow the rules they don't want to get in trouble with their teacher they try to get good grades the whole thing what eventually happens to that little boy he becomes a pastor at a church and no <laughs> what happens to that little boy eventually come on moms <laughs> right dads he grows up and what happens your tests the boundaries, right? Defiance. I want to see how far I can go, right? How close can I get the lit match to the firework without starting it, right? Eventually, he's going to mess up. Well, Samuel tells Saul, wait, wait ten, seven days. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And the people were scattering for him. So Saul said, Hey, bring the burnt offering to me. I don't know what to do. We're up in this massive war. We're outnumbered hundreds to one. Uh, war's coming. I was given instructions. Samuel has bailed on us, apparently, because it's been seven days, and he gave me instructions. Maybe he ran to another country. Check the rocks. Maybe he's hiding. Why would, why would Saul do this? Why would he think this? It's self-projection. That's a wise lady. This is the way he thinks. 
and he thinks others think like him and they'll do what he would kind of default to do um, does that get us in trouble better question have you ever had an idea and you were just about to go full force into that idea and then someone a little wiser a little smarter definitely timely says why don't you instead do this and you have like a light bulb go off and oh i'm glad i didn't do that thing i was gonna do that but then i didn't now i'm gonna take the suggestion right this is kind of what's going on he waited and then he said huh i'm just gonna do my own thing bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offering now, what, what are offerings for say offering right we we give a sacrifice right who does that whose job is offerings and sacrifices the priest what job does he have again king right we've got some other things that are playing into this because when saul had uh, been told by samuel hey, you're going to go this place and that place and do this and by the way along the way you're going to see a garrison of philistines your enemy you're going to be in the midst of your enemy as you do all this stuff one of the things he says is you're going to show up and there's going to be some prophets and one of them's going to have this many things of food and some bread and, da, 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 and that's how you know it's the right ones and then you're going to prophesy with him with them Saul goes and does that, and then what do the people say? Is Saul also a prophet? So we have Samuel now in the or Saul in the position of king. He's got some positive press that he might be a prophet as well. Let's just add the third part of the trifecta. Well, if I'm a king and potentially a prophet, well, shoot, maybe I'm a priest too. Now. In Old Testament law, guess on this one. Um, do you get in trouble if someone else other than the priest does the offering? Oh, yeah. Watch what happens. Bring the burnt offering to me and the peace offering. And he offered the burnt offering. Whoops. And I love this. This is the story of my childhood. Okay? Right here. You can ask mom after service. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. <laughs> oh, Darn, <laughs> you know, right as you're cheating or taking the last cookie, your hands in the cookie jar and you turn and look and, oh, hi, mom. <laughs> you know, oh, sorry, dad. I know I wasn't supposed to use that tool. It just, it ended up in my hand somehow. I have no idea how. I wonder if Samuel waited eight days on purpose. He waited an extra day. There's reasons for him to do that. Prove to the people they were wrong in asking for a king. Prove God was right in denouncing that act. And maybe mostly prove to Saul, you're not who you think you are. You're not as good as you think you are. Saul came. Went out to meet him and greet him. Samuel said, uh, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Saul said, well, when I saw that the people scattered from me, no, I saw, that sounds like an I statement, but who's the then start talking about? The people were scattering from me. Is that said in a positive frame or a negative frame? You know, the people were scattering. Were they supposed to scatter? I asked you, uh, we as Christians, do we hide? Right? What's the implication? We're not supposed to. We do, but we're not supposed to. Were they scattering? Yes. Were they supposed to? No. What's that kind of sound like? Well, I saw that the people were scattering. So when I say it with that intonation, what do you, what do you think you're hearing? Stacy? It's an excuse. <laughs> He's starting to make excuses. Right? Well, the people were scattering me, and, and you didn't come within the days appointed, and, and the Philistines had mustered at Micmash, right? Is he building an equation? Yeah. 
Now, writing style here, this is ironic as it gets. Chapter 3 of the whole book, Genesis, what happens? Serpent's talking to the lady. For some reason, Adam lets her keep talking to the serpent. They have this conversation. At the end of it, they eat the fruit. She gives it to her husband, who was with her. And all of a sudden, they've sinned. And God comes in. I love it, walking in the cool of the garden in the day. Where are you? We hid ourselves. Who told you that you were naked? What have you done? Does that sound... Like this a little bit. And what does Adam do? Well, it was the woman that you gave me, right? You've got this excuse making going on. But when you're making excuses, what do you fail to do? Take responsibility, or the way I love to say it, own it. Own your actions. I was forced to do that my whole life. got to own your own actions right what have you done well i had this whole equation coming up verse 12 and i said now the philistines will come down against me at gilgal and i have not sought the favor of the lord see i was really trying to do something good i I needed to seek the favor of the lord but i had this whole negative equation going on so I, i was forced to right right in fact that's what he says Second line, top right. So I forced myself. That's not owning the actions. What is that? Starts with X and ends with Q's, right? He's making an excuse. I was forced to. I had no other choice. Did he have a choice? Yeah. You know, technically, I would argue he did not have a choice. He was to wait for Samuel. He is not a priest. He does not offer sacrifices. There's no choice there. He created choice where no choice existed. That's rough. He's seeking his own. Got himself in trouble. I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, You fool! I just like to quote Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. Um, You've done foolishly, have not kept the command of the Lord, not the suggestion, not the option of the Lord, not the choice of the Lord. You have not kept the command of the Lord, your God, with which He commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel. How long? Are there consequences? In God's economy, um, unconditional loving God, full of grace and sacrifice for you and your sins, and Jesus on the cross, yes, amen? Amen. And yet, does he have consequences? If you cross him, there are repercussions. It affects things. That's when my relationship with the Lord started to actually go somewhere and make sense. When I figured out that he wasn't a genie and just waved a magic wand when I got in trouble and I finally just turned to him and it's like, oh, I messed some stuff up. If you, if you get me out of this bind, I'll follow you forever. Right? It's a modification of prayers I know many of you have said. Just get me out of this one. I'll never turn on you again. That's not how it works. He can forgive you. He can save you. But there still are ramifications. You can hurt yourself. You do certain things with your body, your body will not recover. It's the way it goes. Is that true about your psyche? Yeah, that's why we have counselors. It's true about business, finance. Yeah. <laughs> Any of you connected with First Republic Bank? lately or what was the one before that that failed that money coming back that bank coming back there are ramifications when things happen stuff's gonna happen you would have been great you would have been established apparently he would have had a kingdom and it would have been forever but now your kingdom shall not continue you're cut off 
or as we say in our, our culture today, they stole this phrase, though. Canceled. Right? It's getting canceled. The Lord has sought out a man. Now, is this a, a generic phrase? I mean, is, this is one scenario, but you can imagine that he seeks out women, too, right? Read the book of Judges. Well, read any book of the Bible. You'll find women that he seeks out. In this scenario, we're trying to fill this spot for a king, so it says man, but this is a universal truth about God. Seeks out people after his own... He seeks out people after his own heart. Get out your outline, look at the top. It says 1 Samuel chapter 13, because the Bible is the first thing we put on the page. And then the title is what? Missing God's heart. Here's Saul's problem. He's doing his own thing. He's coming up with his own ideas. Impatient? Yes? For sure. Good news, though. I know none of you ever get impatient with God, and He does everything on your timing. More of you should have laughed at that. That was heavy sarcasm, folks. He does almost nothing on my timeline. He and I are going to discuss it when I get to heaven, which I hope is a long time from now. But that'd be my timing as well. <laughs> so, um, he wants people after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. I'm replacing you, Saul. Samuel rose and went up from Gilgal, and the rest of the people went up after Saul to meet the army, and they went from Gilgal uh, to Gibeah, Benjamin. How'd you like to hear that right before you're going into nation versus nation war? Wait, uh, my kingdom's not going to last forever? Well, I'm, I'm going into a really big war right now. Am I going to even make it through this one? Ooh. Saul numbered the people who were with him. About 600 men. Remember they had that little battle with the garrison of the Philistines in Geba that Jonathan won a couple verses ago? How many we got left? 600. Used to have 3,000. Now we're down to 600. This is astronomically impossible. And Saul and Jonathan, his son, and the people who were present with them stayed in Geba of Benjamin, but the Philistines encamped in Michmash, and raiders came out of the camp. Did you know the raiders were in the Bible? <laughs> this is why I follow them my whole life. I mean, it's a biblical team. Somebody's been making an argument that you can find more saints in the Bible than you can raiders, so I don't know. Um, raiders came out from the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company toward Oprah, because she'd said something controversial, to the land of Shual, another company turned toward Beth Honoron, and another company turned toward the border that looks down on the valley of Seboim, toward the wilderness. Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel. You thought it was bad so far, right? We have 600 up against hundreds of thousands, right? Watch this. Apparently the Israelites have no blacksmiths because the Philistines were in charge, and they made sure that the Israelites couldn't make weapons. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make themselves swords and spears. But every one of the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen his plowshares, his mattock, his axe. His if you even wanted your tools sharpened, you had to go to the other country because they wouldn't even let you have the supplies to be uh, blacksmith competent. That's oppression. Or the sickle. And the charge was two-thirds of a shekel for the plowshares and for the mattocks and a third of a shekel for sharpening the axes and for getting the goods. Are they charging them money for it too? Yeah, not good. Soon on the day of the battle, there, so on the day of the battle, there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any people with Saul or Jonathan. They had no weapons. Good news though, they had plowshares. Right? But Saul and Jonathan, his son, had them. They were the only two that had weapons. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass of Michmash. Is this dire, bad situation? 
Well, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Amen. Chapter's over. What do we do? That's called a teaser for next week. We're going to have a war next week that they're for sure going to lose. And yet, I know I shouldn't do this. Spoiler alert. They don't lose. Whoa. How is that? Look at the title. What's God's heart for Israel? That they win. That they survive. That they live. That they flourish. All for what? You sang it. You sang it. I am his and he is mine. That's God's heart. Saul's getting all caught up in being king. And I might be priest too. I'm going to come up with some ideas. And in doing all that, he misses God's heart. Right? Good news. I got three ways you can make sure from this passage that maybe you miss out on missing. This is a double negative, Scott. Can you say it more clearly? Yes. I got three ways where you could find God's heart, see God's heart, hear God's heart, or maybe best said, feel God's heart. I'd be connected with Him. The biggest problem in our culture today is what? Well, the economy is bad, um, political climate, but there's a lot of stuff that can fit on that list. What our biggest problem in our culture today is we're disconnected from God. And most people that come to see me have started to figure that out. Because here's what I get. Scott, I, I don't hear him. If I just knew what his will was, I want to know what he thinks about this. What's his truth for that? What should I do next? Those are all statements about hearing God's heart. Being connected. The only people that really get it are the ones that own it. I'm disconnected in some ways. Men's group, we were talking the other night about how God has for sure maintained that He is separate from us. His, can His Holy Spirit dwell in us? Say yes. Can we be guided with Him and the whole thing? Can we be forgiven? All that kind of stuff. Can we be righteous in some ways? Yes. It says, be holy for I am holy. But in the midst of all that, even made in His image, He maintains a little bit of separate from us. And we have to know that that is a theological doctrine, non-negotiable truth. So that we never get to where Saul arrived, where we think, oh, I've started to figure this out, I think. Okay. For example, this is dangerous because this could sound like a humble brag. It's not the intent. It's going to be opposite. It's really about you and me. I went to seminary. I got the big degree. We won't describe that. There's smaller degrees at seminary. And I have an ego, so I'm like, no, I'm doing the big one. I'm taking the Hebrew and the Greek and all that, and all that stuff, right? And anybody else get the Master of Divinity from seminary? Not, none in the room? It's a great experience. I've learned so many things. When you walk next door, we'll ask the same question again. There's a giant in the land, and he'll be like, yeah, I did the Master of Divinity too, Brent Baldwin. Praise God. Yeah. And we love him, don't we? For sure. In all of the studying, let's say I've done a little more Bible than you, okay? That's a humble brag. Here's we're going to turn it into it's not a humble brag, it's really about you and me. Have I figured it out? How, how do you answer that so fast? <laughs> right? I haven't figured it out. I think I actually have 
more questions than answers. Well, how is that, Scott? That doesn't really make sense. Did you really study or did you just attend class? Do they given away the degree? Well, here's how it happens. You go to men's group and somebody brings up something where you're like, you know, I don't know if I thought of it that way before. I'm going to need to read some more, right? Can you learn stuff from other people? Is there always more to learn? We're never going to fully figure him out. So we can never make decisions that way. As if we know what's going on. Because when you do, you make a mistake, and then you have to do what Fonzarelli almost could not do. You have to say, I was wrong, right? That would be owning your actions. Instead, we like to make excuses. Well, you know, the church did it, and Scott did it, and that's, I'm, I'm leaving. You know, my spouse, if they would have, blah, 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 what's that? Excuse? Pointing the finger at somebody else. You look like Adam, you look like Saul. And excuses change nothing. Excuses change nothing? Does the command change? Does your misbehavior affect God? Are you kidding? He doesn't get upset like when I'm mad. No, he gets upset, but it doesn't change him. I mean, he has emotions. But your excuses change nothing when he says, look, don't go playing around sexually. Does that rule ever change? Well, you know, culturally, it depends on how you define sex. And some of those rules for word back then and da-da-da and blah-blah-blah and excuse, 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 or like I like to call it, wah. <laughs> Go call the ambulance. As much as you want to make excuses as to how culture has changed and women have changed or men have changed and governments have changed and da and change and change and change. I'm going to make a song. What doesn't change? And his commands. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Knowing a little Bible going to help you? That never changes. Worship the Lord as you enter his gates with praise. Does that ever change? When you sing, he is my, or I am his, and he is mine. Does that change you? It could change you. But the fact that we belong to him and he belongs to us, does that change? No. But worship could get you there. The Bible says, I will not forsake the assembly of the body when it meets together. <gasps> you mean I have to attend church? Does that ever change? I mean, trust me, if you don't want to come, you have choice. Does your ability to have choice ever change? No. But when you use that choice that God has given you to make a choice opposite of his commands or what he's done, that's called an excuse. And how that goes never changes. There are consequences, period. That's it. When you get in trouble... You get in trouble. Like if you stole a box of crayons on the last day of school in kindergarten, and now it's summer, and you think you got away with it, and then one of your parents, who were renamed nameless, says, where'd you get the crayons? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you do. Where'd you get the crayons? Uh... School? Oh, were they passing them out? Not exactly. <laughs> Did you ask for them? No. Where's, where's the end of this um, conversation end up? Did you steal them? Ugh. Yes. Are there consequences? Yes. You know what happens at the end of that summer? Your first day of first grade, 
mom walks you, marches you into kindergarten class. So you thought you never had to go back to kindergarten, but you had to go back one more time. And you have to stand in front of Mrs. Pendergrass and hand her back her box of crayons, which she said, and I quote to this day, that's okay, you can keep them. And what did mom say? No, he, he certainly cannot. <laughs> Bam! Excuses change nothing. Just because Scott did it doesn't mean you can do it. Just because Scott didn't do it doesn't mean you can do it. There are rules. This is the way the game works. Creation is a system with a creator. Figure it out. Chase it full speed. Saul did not, and it got him in trouble. He was going to have a kingdom that lasted forever. He was going to be established. Anybody want to be established? You want your hand up. You want to be established. And when you're established, you want to be established by God or established by some of your current actions? See, we have no idea what he's up to. He might be waiting an extra day just to see how you act. And there's no way you can ever know the future. So, number one, excuses change nothing. Two, catering to confidence and comfort. What, what, where did that come from? Well, did Saul get a little confidence? Yeah, yeah he won a little garrison battle with the Philistines. He's got 3,000 uh, army men. A little, a little confidence. Oh, well, I'm doing pretty well. And did he want to be comfortable? Yeah. War coming. It's been seven days. We need to do an offering because I need to seek the Lord. But he got into the routine of ritual as if that was more important than actually connecting with God. He wanted to talk about God rather than to God. And he wanted to be comfortable. And when you cater to your own confidence and your own comfort, it's going to cause confusion. Because you're going to say, that was supposed to work. And it didn't. What's the worse word than confusion? I mean, because I know, Scott, you were trying to come up with words that started with C. It's blatantly obvious, right? Creating, catering to confidence and comfort causes, what's a Chaos, that's a great one. That's not the one I was thinking. That You get a point for that if you came up with chaos, all right? But what's, what's another one? I said it several times today already. Consequences. That's the one I was thinking of. Man, she could do announcements and do fill-ins on the fly. That was your own, okay. Um, there are consequences. How about catastrophe? <laughs> Causes cause catastrophe? You go against God's plan. What could he do? Anything he wants. I'm not afraid of any of you. I really am not. I've become confident and comfortable in my role at this church and on this stage in many ways. Especially with you. You can tell I'm having a little bit of fun. You know what scares me to death, though, and keeps me in place. He can remove me in an instant. Whenever he wants. No justification needed. And he might be motivated to do so if I start catering to me. Because that whole C word sentence is really about catering to self. That's what Saul did. That's how he missed God's heart. And the last one, this one's fun. Where's, where's my T, my N, and my T? What? First, first letter, put a capital T, first blank. This I was so excited about. They are? It's just not there. Okay. Why do we do TNT? Is it, this could blow up, right? Now, can you use TNT for good things? Sometimes you want to blow stuff up. That's how you get to the minerals, right? Or you demolish the building and you can build a new one. You know, like a new stadium in Oakland for the... Oh, wait, we don't have any teams anymore. This is the one that... Um, this, this is the Big Bang 
of what's going on here, I thought, and that's why I put it last, and that's why I came up a way to say it in three words with the acronym TNT. Saul's stuck on timing. He's got this timing thing. Well, there were seven days and a, a, a massive army coming at him. That's a timing thing, right? I only have so much time until they get here. And I need to do an offering and I need time for that. And we get stuck on time. We think, well, I'm only this old, so I can't. Or I'm too old, so I, I used to, but I can't anymore. We get stuck on schedule and calendarings and what we think are perceived limitations with timing. And, and here's what we forget. Timing is God's construct. Time never exists outside of God. He chose to make time. It's not how it makes sense to me, right? How do, how do we measure a day? How do, how do you measure 24 hours? The sun goes up and the sun comes down. 24 hours later, it comes up again. Who made the sun? He picked what a day is. The moon, all that stuff. And then yet, when something happens too fast for us, oh God, I wasn't ready for that. Or we're waiting too long. God, how long must I wait? Isaiah chapter 6. How long, O oh Lord, must I put up with this evil generation? Right? Who said that? Isaiah? You know who else said <laughs> it? Jesus said something like that too. Our timing, we prioritize our timing over our theology. Did you just get two T's right there? Timing and theology? We just need an N. Which one negates the other? Ooh, you just got an N. Does timing negate theology? Never. Theology always negates timing. I guarantee you, you measure more things by time than you were designed to. God's timing perfect? That means ours is not. And you can really get messed up in this. God, God's permission, perfect. This is will. This is future. This is control. That You know how we mess this up? Is when we forget that line that we already sang. I am His. And He is mine. What if that was the standard for how you decided? Three people have decided that, at least, I know. Because we're about to baptize them. I'm going to start putting theology ahead of everything. I mean, that's the fa fancy way of saying it. I'm going to put God ahead of everything. He is now Lord and Savior. And I'm going to start figuring out how His economy works. Amen. Have you done that? Because here's the thing. When you first decide that, it's a great day. Angels party and stuff like that. I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff they talk about. But you know what starts right after that? Process. Growth. Because you have to start changing your thinking. How you make decisions. Uh, what your to-do list is. What your I will never do that again list is. And, and start trying those things. Right? It's hard. I cut out sugar a little while ago. It's just wrong. <laughs> you know how hard it is to cut something out? I had a doctor. I had a doctor that told me, you should try eating some raw broccoli. <laughs> what? <laughs> Do you know what I have in my refrigerator right now? I've been eating raw broccoli. For a while now. I'm getting used to it. It's just wrong. <laughs> right? We've got to figure out how do we do this seeking after God's own heart. 
because the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the whole earth to find those whose heart is fully His. You can decide that whenever you want. Start that process, right? Because it is like math class. You can't skip a couple days and then just jump right into lesson six. You got to go back and do lessons two, three, and four, five because it builds on itself. Praise the Lord. Yeah, let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are a God that makes sense, maintains control, and, and has a heart. We want a, a God with a heart. We need a God who cares and is paying attention and then is capable of doing something about it. I pray, Lord, you would show us how to pursue you. It's going to be different for each one of us. Give each of us permission to pursue you in our own way. And then, Lord, reveal yourself to, to us. Reveal yourself to me. If you're here and you've never decided to follow, maybe that's the way you pray it this morning. Reveal yourself to me, God. Reveal yourself. I accept your son as Savior. Now start the process with me. I want your revelation. If that's your decision, we want to we wanna help you. Come see us after service. Anybody you've seen on stage, come find me. We want to we wanna help you, support you. Thank you, Lord, for the offering that we're about to receive. I pray you would bless it on these plates as we pass them and those that give online and all that. pray that um, no one feels obligated to give but does this out of the purity of their own heart. May there be no guilt in it. And then, Lord, use it to build your kingdom the way you see fit in your timing. Amen? Amen. Amen.